right, we're all lined up on our final approach here and ready to get going on midday. It is Wednesday, middle of the week, and lots to talk about here as we move forward into our headlines of all kinds. And let's move straight off over to Susan Littlefield, who had the idea that maybe she would uh, come to us on location from outside, but uh, it didn't really work out, huh, Susan? No, it didn't. I was actually out getting ready to do my um, mid-afternoon TV reports, and the winds picked up, and I thought, all you're going to hear is the wind howling, and no Susan. <laughs> so I came in the house. Yeah, there's plenty of wind chill out there, too, so probably a better idea to go ahead and take the refuge of, of the house today. All right. Well, exactly. Let's, uh, well, let's move on into uh, our headlines today, and I, you know, this time of year, we kind of like to see things simpler in life, but... It seems like our choices seem to be getting more and more and more, and that goes with just about everything involved in farming. Oh, very much so, you know, especially with all the advancements that have been made on the quality of the engines in our tractors, in our semis. We're going to find out more coming up at 1219 with Dr. Hussain. He's director with Senex Harvest State about refined fuels and what's out there now and available, especially if you have some of those newer equipment. And he's talking newer if anything after 2013. So we'll talk more about that at 12.19. At 12.45, Bryce talks to Chuck Schroeder about the Rural Futures Institute and what that means to Nebraskans. And then he'll also talk about a sorghum symposium that's coming up at Curtis, and that will be later on this month. So lots of things happening, lots of meetings coming up, and we'll just keep you busy with all the information headed your way. All right. Well, with all that wind, best of luck keeping your camera on its tripod out there today. Oh, no kidding. I'm, I'm actually going to take shelter inside the hay barn. I thought it might be safer. <laughs> All right. That will be a nice location. We'll look forward to it. Yeah. Thank you, Susan. Jason Jorgensen has sports today, and those volleyball Huskers are getting ready for a big one. They are. Final four starts tomorrow night. The Huskers are in Kansas City for the practice and press conference coming up today. Of course, the Huskers will try to knock off Penn State for a second time this year. Nebraska's also in the final four for the third straight time for the first time in school history. The biggest Penn State fan that we have in the studio here was asking earlier today about how, how do those... Uh, how do the seedings work there, and how come Nebraska's five? Well, Nebraska was a number five overall national seed. Okay. Even though they tied with Penn State for the Big uh, Ten championship, okay. that's totally different. So the Huskers had a couple of bad losses early on that, that hurt them. Difference. Okay. Even though they had beaten Penn State. So All that's right. the answer to that. But it didn't stop them. They went no. to Kentucky and won the regional anyway. That's right. We'll hear from middle hitter Brianna Holman about that. Also coming up in sports, we'll hear from new Nebraska head coach Scott Frost. He continues to be a busy guy trying to serve two masters. One, getting Central Florida ready for the bowl game. And the second, trying to land some recruits for the Huskers with that early signing day just ahead. And good news for Green Bay Packer fans. Aaron Rodgers says he has medically been cleared to play I bet he's under center on Sunday when they play Carolina. All right. Let's see if that happens. Bob Brogan has business. Sources say a deal's been reached on the tax overhaul package. Tech stocks are leading U.S. indexes higher. Also, uh, traders are expecting interest rates to rise uh, as per a Federal Reserve meeting that's taking place today. Gasoline prices lifted U.S. consumer inflation in October. Those are the stories we're watching. All right. Thank you, Bob. It's all coming up for you today on Midday. 
And we bring in Paul Perkins to take a look at our ag weather today, brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation, your ranky dealer. We've got some uh, clear skies right now, but that's not going to hold either, is it? No, especially as we head towards tomorrow. Uh, looking at some sunshine, luckily for today, and luckily the temperature is not too bad today in uh, Nebraska and Kansas. We're in the upper 40s to low 50s for the most part in Nebraska. We do have some low 40s towards the north central part of Nebraska, upper mid to upper 50s as you head into uh, Kansas. For today we do have those winds today but sunshine and the nice temperatures kind of counteracting the bad stuff that we're getting we're behind the passage of a cold front today those northwest winds strong and gusting up to about 45 clouds dropping in tonight that will be in advance of our next cold front that sweeps through the region tomorrow looks to be the least pleasant of our next seven days winds behind another cold front expected to gust tomorrow to 45 it will be cooler also more moisture available so clouds in the forecast tomorrow also spotty chances of rain or snow but little if any snow accumulation expected our sky is clear tomorrow night into saturday as high pressure builds from the west temperatures will be mild with some light winds on friday and saturday there is a chance of some rain or snow by saturday night with another cold front but still some iffy chances on that sunday temperatures will be slightly cooler then dry and mild weather return for Monday and Tuesday. There are some changes in the later periods of the long-term forecast. Temperatures in Nebraska and Kansas forecast to be warmer than normal the early and middle part of next week. The change now indicates normal to cooler than normal temperatures late next week through the day after Christmas. The precipitation forecast indicates below normal precipitation in Nebraska and Kansas the early and middle part of next week, but near normal to above normal precipitation now expected late next week through the day after Christmas. If you have some Christmas travel plans, you may want to stay up to date. Weather factors driving the markets include rain developing in central Argentina and favorable conditions in the highest production areas of Brazil. Periods of snow expected across the northern U.S., especially towards the Great Lakes. During the weekend, one to two inches of rain should develop in parts of the southeast U.S. Dry weather will continue into next week in California, the desert southwest, also the central and southern high plains. Significantly above normal temperatures will continue to dominate much of the western and central U.S. the next few days. But from the Great Lakes into the northeast, those cold conditions that have been uh, pestering them will start to ease over the weekend. The forecast for rain in Argentina in the next few days, easing the dryness concerns. Central Brazil's crop development continues to benefit from mild weather and periodic showers. Drier conditions next week going to help after recent moderate to heavy rain. Southern Brazil crop areas turned drier recently, but now have rain in the forecast for the next week to 10 days. Here in the U.S., the concerns for drought are building in the Southern Plains wheat areas. Warm and dry weather through the next 10 days will keep the wheat from going dormant and stress it even more. Some good news for Southern California. Offshore winds should subside by week's end and allow wildfire containment to start to advance there. So you still don't have a big blizzard for us here. No promises this far out. But yeah, nothing in the next ten, seven days for sure. But yeah, you may want to keep an eye out on Christmas weekend there because those temperatures are starting to go cooler than normal and above normal precipitation. So there may be some hints of some systems moving through. Not saying it's going to be a blizzard, but maybe some snow in the forecast then. All right. Well, I'm looking at those winds right now. If we had snow with this, that we'd be calling it a little bit of something. With <laughs> yeah, no 30 mile an hour winds almost uniformly across the state. Eventually, it's going to get here, and we want to remind you that the Storm Center coverage is presented by Skeeter Barnes and also by American Family Insurance, serving Lexington and Kearney. 
I want to remind you that our ag weather is brought to you today by Holdridge Irrigation. When you need weather anytime, krvn.com. Agriculture Committee has launched a new Farm Bill landing page. I'm Shaylee Peters with a midday check of your ag news here on the Rural Radio Network. Susan Littlefield has more for us on this story. The House Ag Committee's Chairman Mike Conaway of Texas announced the launch of a new online resource which can be accessed through the committee's current website. A landing page for the 2018 Farm Bill. Uh, this will be a website that uh, will be kind of the repository of everything that we're doing uh, day in and day out. We will continue to update that as we go along. At some point in time, once bill language is available, it will be there. You will have narratives and descriptions of what we've been doing and have done over the last three years to get ready for this. There will be uh, videos and, uh, and audio uh, information as well. But this is intended to be a kind of an all-in-one spot that uh, anybody who wants to keep up with our work on the farm bill over the next several months as we move it across the House floor, then this will be the uh, the place to go. And uh, I can't uh, uh, tell you how important this is for us to be able to make these statements today and let the world know that we're ready to uh, end serious about getting this farm bill done and done on time. You can view the website by going to agriculture.house.gov slash farm bill. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. And in other ag news, despite concerns, the Senate Ag Committee advanced the nomination of Stephen Baden as the Department of Agriculture's general counsel this week. The nomination moves on to the full Senate for a vote. The committee approved the nomination on a 14-7 to vote. And Senate Ag Ranking Democrat Debbie Stabenow, along with fellow Democrats Heidi Heitkamp and Joe Donnelly, joined all Republican members if the committee to vote in favor of the nomination. Stabenow said she was voting to move the nomination forward because because USDA needs a full staff as development of the next farm bill begins, although adding that this has not been an easy decision. Stabenow says she remains concerned about Baden's past legal work and personal practices at USDA. Baden has been working in the general counsel's office since shortly after Trump took office, and while in private practice, he represented conservative groups on voting rights issues. And improved crop yield predictions are expected from Iowa State University research generated by a Foundation for Food and Agriculture Research New Innovator Award grant announced today. Soterios Arcunachulis, an assistant professor of agronomy, was one of eight scientists from across the country to win this year's New Innovator Award. Arcanotulus will lead a team of scientists focusing on water and how it interacts with crops and soils or the cropping system. Water affects everything in the system, the grain yield, the optimum nitrogen rate to corn, the nitrogen leaching, and the water quality issue for Iowa. This is everything, he said. If we really want to predict what will be the yield or nitrogen loss, and if we want to go the opposite way and identify management practices to increase yields and decrease losses, we have to start with water. The FFAR New Innovator Award is $300,000 and will be matched with $300,000 from the Iowa Crop Improvement Association for $600,000 over three years. And falling prices have lured a big buyer to U.S. grown low protein wheat, raising the prospect for farmers of more exports and the hope that the market for low protein wheat may have reached its nadir. U.S. wheat prices have tumbled 60% since reaching a four year high in 2012 as large harvests around the world have reduced export demand. 
Algeria, the world's third largest wheat importer, made its biggest U.S. wheat purchase in nine months on Tuesday. Separately, a listing of prices that Egypt, the top importer paid for Russian and Romanian wheat, showed that U.S. prices are now low enough to compete for sales there. With a midday check of your ag news, I'm Shaylee Peters, and you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. With the ever-change in engine technology, a change in the fuel that you put in it. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Akhtar Hussein is a director with Senex Harvest State's Refined Fuels Marketing, and he talks to me about the different varieties that are out there to fit the tractors and equipment you use on a daily basis. Yeah, thank you. There, there, are, a, there are different choices out there when it comes to what diesel fuel uh, would farmers choose. And I think it's really important to understand why there are those different fuels and, and what application they should be used in. Um, so not only temperature, but also engine technology has changed um, to meet new emissions and efficiency standards. And with that change, basically that created a situation where engine manufacturers have developed technology called a high-pressure common rail diesel engine. This will be the diesel engine that you find in equipment that's probably in that 2013 to 2014 uh, model year and newer, uh, they have this technology. And so what that does is there is this common rail that goes over the top of the engine that uh, atomizes a fuel mist with 30,000 pounds of pressure, so 30,000 PSI. With that pressure comes added heat. And what happens to fuel that's unburned as part of this increase in efficiency is that unburned fuel is collected and put back in the tank and then recombusted. And so what happens over time is this fuel goes through the engine, it heats up to about 500 degrees, and if it's unburned, it goes back and it does that again. Well, that fuel literally cooks. And uh, what happens then is there are impurities in the fuel, deposits, um, uh, there are other things that happen that would plug up filters, plug up injectors, and so we think that uh, using a premium diesel fuel is vitally important in in those engines. There's so many different categories that are that are out there when it comes to fuel. What's the best way to differentiate what's out there and and what you should be using? Well, the differences in diesel fuel come down to really one thing, and that is the additives that are contained in the fuel. So, if you're talking about a number two base fuel, uh, a newer uh, designation of fuel called top tier diesel has just entered the market. I think a lot of folks haven't really heard about it yet, but uh, it's, the same, it's the same organization that runs the top-tier certification for gasoline uh, has now come out with a quality standard for diesel fuel. And at Senex, we think anything that raises a baseline standard of diesel fuel is a good thing. Um, but we think it's really important that folks um, don't get confused by the difference between a top-tier diesel fuel and a premium diesel fuel. And again, the difference is the additives. So a, a, a top-tier diesel fuel will offer up to three times more detergent than it's found in a base number two fuel. Senex premium diesel fuel is five times. We think that that added detergent is especially necessary to address um, those deposits I was talking about earlier in these high-pressure common rail diesel engines. Not only deposits that form on the outside of the fuel injectors, but because that fuel gets so hot and it's being forced through about a three micron opening in that injector, which is tiny, that is uh, that is just a, a, a fraction of the width 
of uh, a human hair follicle. Um, we think it's really important that we have an additive that addresses deposits that form within the injector. If you'd like to find out more information, Senex Harvest States has a website that breaks down all he talked about. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Midday Program on the Rural Radio Network. And it's our time to check sports with Jason Jorkson. Hey, thanks, Dirk. Well, for a third straight year, the Nebraska volleyball team finds itself in the NCAA Final Four as the Huskers will battle Penn State tomorrow night in Kansas City. Going into this year, many thought this would be a rebuilding season for the Huskers, who lost four All-Americans from last year's squad. Little blocker Brianna Holman breaks down how the Huskers were able to bounce back so quickly. The fact that we started this journey in the summer, um, you know, this is something we've been talking about for a really long time. And, yeah, we lost a lot of people, but we also kind of rebuilt this program for this season, for this moment. So I think that it's really rewarding to see it all pay off. The Huskers beat the Nittany Lions earlier this year in late September on the road. Tomorrow's match starts at 6 Central. New Nebraska head football coach Scott Frost and his coaching staff started bowl preparations this week with UCF for their Peach Bowl matchup against Auburn. Now, while Frost will be splitting his time between preparing for the bowl game and recruiting for the Huskers, he's determined to do this the right way. UCF has been unbelievable to me, and to be up here one more time is special to me. This is this is a great place and a great university, and uh, it's unusual circumstances, but our staff is completely committed, and, and we're going to do everything we can for this football team. Frost and Central Florida, they play in the Peach Bowl on January 1st. Rashawn Salam's Heisman Trophy will be sold at an online auction next month with a portion of the proceeds benefiting research into a degenerative brain disease found in nearly 200 football players. The bidding will open on January 8th and end on January 20th. Former University of Colorado running back killed himself last December in Boulder, shooting himself near the school where he played from 1992 to 1994 after struggling with depression. Investigators have said they will never know if he suffered from CTE because his family didn't consent to those tests. Salam sold his trophy in 2013 to a sports memorabilia dealer who resold it to the current unidentified owner later that year. It's expected to sell for over $300,000. And Bob Costas has won the Ford C. Frick Award presented by the Baseball Hall of Fame for broadcasting excellence. The honor was announced today at the winter meetings. Popular and successful at calling the Olympics and other sports, the 65-year-old Costas flourished over four decades of baseball work using his familiar voice to paint word pictures of the national pastime. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. Partly to mostly cloudy skies tonight, lows in the 20s. I'm Dave Schroeder. Nebraska State Roads officials have identified more than $11 billion in construction needs over the next two decades. The Department of Transportation released the projection in its annual report to lawmakers. The projection includes the estimated cost of maintaining existing roadways, upgrades to improve safety and mobility, and expanding roads to increase their capacity. The report is intended as a snapshot of the state's needs and isn't a formal request for money. Adjusted for inflation, the needs would cost an estimated $16 billion over 20 years. Department Director Kyle Schneewe says the needs could change with new technology. The state relies heavily on gas tax revenue, which may expect to shrink as cars become more efficient and use less fuel. 
Schneewe says the state's overall transportation system is well-maintained. Lincoln City Councilwoman Jane Raybould is running against Deb Fisher for the U.S. Senate seat. In an interview with KRVN Radio, she talks about why she is running. I'm a, a businesswoman. I'm a job creator. I'm I'm proud of the fact that uh, we we are the largest independent grocery operator in the state, and we employ over 2,000 people. So, I know the struggle of making a payroll, and we know how impactful certain uh, decisions by the government are. Nothing is getting done, and um, our representatives are not listening to their constituents on issues that really matter to them. Ray Bold and her family own and operate Russ's and Super Saver grocery stores. She's also served as a commissioner for Lancaster County. Omaha police have announced an arrest in the death of a man whose body was found last month in a vehicle in a police station parking lot. Police say that an 18-year-old woman has been arrested on suspicion of first-degree murder and use of a weapon to commit a felony. The body of 29-year-old Julio Cesar Ortega was found on November 9th after an officer noticed a vehicle in the lot at the Northeast Omaha station at around 1 a.m., then saw the body inside. Homicide investigators suspect Cesar Ortega was injured elsewhere and drove himself to the station where he died. Police have not released details about the crime, but Cesar Ortega's family members say he had been shot. House and Senate GOP leaders have forged an agreement on a sweeping overhaul of the nation's tax laws. That paves the way for final votes next week to slash taxes for businesses and give most people tax cuts starting next year. Put our app on your phone and listen to podcasts and on-demand audio on your schedule. Reporting from the KRVN News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. A quick Google search of the term rural results with headlines such as Rural America continues to struggle as urban areas grow. Rural America's neglected higher education program. And Rural America's struggle. But what if I was to tell you there's an organization in Nebraska who's working to change the message and change the trajectory of rural Nebraska and rural America? Good afternoon on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Bryce Duskett reporting. Chuck Schroeder is the founding executive director of the Rural Futures Institute, which is housed out of the University of Nebraska-Lincoln's East Campus. He joins me now as we talk about the critical work that they do to preserve and ensure that rural America and Nebraska is thriving. Chuck, as we begin, we're going to get into some of the specifics of what you all do here after a minute or two. But let's first talk about, for someone who's not aware of the Rural Futures Institute, what do you all do? Sure, Bryce. Uh, and thank you for the chance to talk about uh, rural people and rural communities that are trying to go somewhere. Yeah, the Rural Futures Institute uh, was established in uh, 2012 uh, originally. I came on board uh, at the end of 2013 as their founding executive director and our mission is as a university-wide institute to harness the intellectual energy and capacity of the University of Nebraska and its partners those partners being uh, other institutions, nonprofit organizations, private companies, government agencies uh, others who really are focused on our rural sector in order to try to achieve a thriving, high-touch, high-tech future for rural Nebraska and the Great Plains. We are absolutely convinced that 
uh, our capacity to live together in smaller, more geographically dispersed communities is not only important for Nebraska and its economy and culture, but quite honestly, it uh, could be important to the uh, continuation of mankind on planet Earth. Uh, it's, a, it's a very big issue, and it's being recognized more and more, uh, not only around uh, the Great Plains in this country, but around the world. Certainly some very important work that you all have been doing, and you've been busy. The RFI uh, Institute has not been around uh, for 10, 20-plus years, but it, it's been just a short lifespan. You all have been in rural communities there, working boots-on-the-ground kind of work. And uh, from our perspective, we appreciate that for our, our listening audience as well. So, Chuck, you do all these things, and then you have to get the message out of what you're doing. And so one of the programs that uh, has recently kicked off is this Catch Up With Chuck segment that's on Facebook Live. I've enjoyed watching uh, when those are live on Facebook. So tell us about uh, the Catch Up With Chuck segment as well as the inspiration behind it. Sure. And, Bryce, that's, uh, it's been fun for me and, we hope, uh, informative for our audiences. Uh, as we had a, a good discussion internally here about how to share the stories about these uh, folks that are out there making a difference in the rural sector, uh, we reached the conclusion that uh, as I travel around and meet people, work in communities that uh, really are on a positive path, uh, we see real-world evidence that says these doomsayers who are so convinced that uh, rural America, rural Nebraska uh, is dead and has no promise, we just see evidence that's absolutely the contrary. So we said, hey, let's tell those stories and let's uh, talk to the people that are out there really making a difference. So uh, we actually just this morning uh, recorded the seventh of those segments, and I would encourage people to... Uh, not only watch them on Facebook Live, but go to our website, which is ruralfutures.nebraska.edu, and uh, take a look at these conversations. We've had uh, folks uh, like Marty Fadig, who is the really phenomenally successful administrator of the Nemaha County Hospital in Auburn, talking about rural health care. We've had one of our students, Emily Coffey, talking about the Rural Service Ship Program and its impact uh, not only on communities, but on students who have that experience. Uh, Dr. Tom Field with the Angler Program here at UNL talked about entrepreneurship. Uh, Kirk Dombrowski, a, a phenomenal sociologist, uh, uh, talked to us about a project they've had going on in Lexington, uh, uh, addressing diversity in that community and access to health care, big impact. Uh, Lindsay Hastings, uh, director of the Nebraska Human Resources Institute, talked about leadership development and leadership transitions. Uh, just this morning, we had a great visit with Kathy Lang, who's the director of the Nebraska Business Development Center, talking about the importance of small businesses and small business development in the economic vitality of rural communities. So we've uh, really had a great time involving people that uh, we know and respect and talking about a broad array of issues that we know are critical to rural communities. And, Chuck, while I have you on the phone, is there anything else you want to add about RFI? Well, Bryce, I think it's important to know that uh, the Rural Futures Institute is, is certainly not traditional programming uh, within a university. We don't, we don't uh, build credit hours. We aren't very interested uh, in peer-reviewed journal articles, although some of those things have been developed from some of our work. We're not out chasing federal grants. 
we really are focused on those real-world issues that confront rural communities. Genuine economic opportunity, uh, access to quality health care, education, leadership, entrepreneurship, diversity. Those are the things that uh, uh, really matter to rural communities in Nebraska and the Great Plains. And we hope that we're providing a good opportunity to connect the academy with the community and make a difference. Some important work that the Rural Futures Institute is doing all across the state and across the nation. That was Chuck Schroeder. He's the executive director of the Rural Futures Institute. If you would like to learn more about the Institute, log on to Rural Radio, click on the UNL tab, and click on Rural Futures. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bryce Duskin. Back on the Rural Radio Network, and let's... Now visit with Joe Teal at Great Plains Commodities about livestock futures trading today. Joe? Yeah, it was a uh, study in opposites. Uh, live, live cattle and feeder cattle lower, hogs uh, mostly higher. So uh, uh, very uh, unusual day in a way. We opened a little bit better on anticipation of uh, maybe uh, following through with yesterday's rally in the cattle, but uh, that soon got uh, squelched by uh, some renewed selling coming into the market uh, uh, and uh, bolstered by the uh, cutouts being lower at noon once again after being lower last night uh, and uh, really not a whole lot of uh, trade going on uh, uh, the only thing I've heard is 116 paid in the auctions there's some bids out in the uh, western part of Nebraska and eastern Colorado uh, started one fifth. 114 and then move up to 115, but I haven't heard of any trade so far. So none of that uh, really uh, very exceptional news at all, and uh, that put uh, the pressure back on. So we had some triple-digit losses in the uh, feeders while we were uh, moderately lower in the uh, live cattle. Over in the hogs, uh, both sides have unchanged uh, throughout the day and finishing uh, mostly uh, higher, but not by uh, any significant amount. Uh, the December hog contract goes off tomorrow, still right now discount to the index. Uh, the uh, cutouts at noon were uh, sharply lower, $404 lower, so surprisingly uh, they held in. Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. The Grain Sorghum Producers Association, together with the Grain Sorghum Board and the Nebraska Extension, announced the 2018 Sorghum Symposium, which will be held January 18th at the Nebraska College of Technical Agriculture there in Curtis, Nebraska. Joining me to talk more about that is the Executive Director of the Nebraska Grain Sorghum Producers. That would be Barb Clement. Barb, thanks so much for joining me. Let's first talk about this symposium. Is this the first time you've done this, or have you done this before? No, this is not the first time that we've done it. We've we've actually hosted uh, a series of sorghum symposiums for uh, a very long time. Uh, back earlier in my my career with the sorghum board, back in the day when we were producing uh, upwards of two million acres of sorghum, uh, we actually held a series of four uh, sorghum symposiums uh, across the sorghum uh, producing region. Uh, but as we've faced competition with irrigated agriculture and and um, and that sort of thing uh, we've reduced it now to where we're doing uh, we used where we're doing two uh, symposiums uh, one on the we- western end of the state and then one in the central part of the state but this year we decided we're going to do it 
at the western end of the state at Curtis at, at uh, Nebraska uh, College of Technical Agriculture. And then next year we'll be in Grand Island, and then we'll just back and forth east and west, rotating east and west uh, every other year. So um, at any rate, but we've been doing them for a long time. Um, and producers, we've always got, had a good turnout of, of producers. They're very interested. Uh, it's a very timely program. Uh, we try to bring uh, good, timely topics uh, to producers, information that they can take home and, and apply in their operations. Well, let's talk about some of that information. You have a great lineup of speakers this year. We'll kind of start with talking about weather. You have Al Dutcher coming. Is that right? Well, yes. Weather is always um, top uh, of the concerns for producers as they they start looking and making plans for their uh, cropping uh, system for for the year. Uh, and Al Dutcher is a perennial favorite. He's been on our program from day one, uh, and so it just wouldn't be a program without uh, opening it up and and uh, visiting with Al Dutcher about the weather. And then, of course, from there, sorghum production and management uh, is always very very, very important. Uh, Dr. Cody Creech is going to be on the program this year, and he'll actually talk about um, sorghum production in western Nebraska, because, of course, western Nebraska faces a little bit different uh, weather dynamics than what they have in the central or eastern part of the state, so uh, it is really important that we kind of focus on that for for those folks out there. But we also have uh, Scott Stagenborg. Uh, Dr. Stagenborg is the uh, Vice President of Research and Development at Chromatin, and he's going to talk about other just general uh, production management um, uh, topics that are Im- important to producers, but also talk about a little bit about some of the new technology uh, coming uh, to sorghum. Uh, so uh, that, that part of the program should be very interesting to producers. Now, this event is free to attend, and how can they register if somebody is interested in attending? The easiest way to register would be to call our office, uh, 402-471-4276, or uh, drop us an email at sorghum.board at nebraska.gov. That's the easiest way to, to reach us. Our, uh, unfortunately, our website right now is, is under construction, and, and so we have to kind of rely on, on email this year. Uh, sorghum.board at nebraska.gov would be the easiest way to contact us or simply uh, give us a call here at the office. Very good. Well, thank you for that information. That was Barb Clement. She is the executive director of the Nebraska Grain Sorghum Producers. You can learn more by going to ruralradio.com. I'm Bryce Duskett on the Rural Radio Network. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network talking with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. We haven't discussed this in the last few sessions because today was a day of rallying somewhat in corn, wheat, and soybeans, John. Yeah, you know, the market is like paint drying today, though. Very slow. We, we got up around, say, the 350 level, 349 and a half, and just really never moved. Did see some upward price action in the wheat, though, and then beans into the close. Uh, looks pretty good. This is a weather market we're in right now. I think, uh, you know, forecasts are showing that rain system in northern Argentina, kind of southern Brazil. It'll pass by the 22nd, I think, of December. So, you know, five or six sessions from now, we might see the prices a lot different based off uh, if those rains came to fruition. Very, very warm down there. So, you know, I think it's when the market's quiet, we're going to see slightly lower pricing. I think when there's a reason to rally, we'll see some rips given the amount of shorts in this thing. But very 
very little little to talk about today. Not uh, no reports. Uh, we did have the Federal Reserve just released their uh, their interest rate hike a couple of minutes ago, but markets seem to shrug that up pretty well. I guess it also is positive. We got near the contract low in March corn, but didn't quite reach that. Right in December, which is the one I'm watching here, trading right around three thirty six. So, you know, starting to hear the basis come in a little bit as well. I think we've. I'm going to say we've bottomed. It's a difficult thing to call a bottom. I wouldn't be shocked to see prices maybe inch lower here, but I don't think there's a whole lot of downside to the market. I think if, if the market breaks, basis maybe comes in. If the market rallies, basis widens out. You know, 310, 320 in your area out there for the majority of Nebraska, you know, might be uh, in the offerings here in a little bit. Uh, to get above that, that 320, 330 level, I think you're going to have to see some problems weather-wise. And they're there, but uh, market's not going to move until it has to. All right. And we'll have to take into account hard red winter wheat dryness, lack of dormancy, and March contracts. Both Kansas City, Chicago have a contract low of four ten and a half, and today was uh, a day of rallying above that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bounce off that level. I mean, at this point, given the March contracts are two and a half months, three months from delivery, I mean, I don't see a whole lot of reason to be a seller here. Um, you know, if prices fall another ten to fifteen cents, folks south of you guys are going to be able to buy the March delivery early and put it right on loan. I, I just don't think there's a whole lot of downside here in the wheat markets. Um, again, the downside comes with time, and that is really your enemy right now. If you're holding on to physical, time is not your friend. The more we trade sideways, the longer costs that up, and essentially selling earlier is better. Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. The place to go for more information is DanielsAgMarketing.com. And uh, remember... You can also contact John Payne Direct at 866-825-8561. Dewey Nelson reporting. Bank of Donovan, where your money is handled wisely and professionally. At Bank of Donovan, you come first. Bank of Donovan bringing you our late-day markets and commentary. The settlement coming up at 20 before the hour here on 880KRVN. And before the hour is out, we'll be checking in with the Nebraska Grain Sorghum Association. We'll also be checking in for John Hansen's Irons in the Fire on 